0: You're listening to the Anthony Mercurio Performance Podcast, a show dedicated to breaking down elite sports performance and fitness. My name is Anthony Mercurio. Now I've worked with thousands of athletes over the last 15 years of strength and conditioning. And if you're looking for ways to improve your speed, jumping ability, or just overall athleticism, then this is the show for you. Let's get after it. And welcome back to another episode of the Anthony Mercurio Performance Podcast, up to episode number 32. And as we kind of wind down our summer training and different things, like things come up throughout the training sessions or throughout the summer that make it real easy to come up with topics to talk about and to to just have a conversation about. There's a few more that I have. But sometimes I kind of reach out to other people and coaches or people that we interact with on a regular basis and kind of ask what they want to hear about or know about or learn about or just in general, kind of like what would be a good topic to talk about here. And uh, my girl Meg Chambo came out with this topic and uh, I liked it a lot. So I think we're going to dive in. She loves the backstory and the history of how things have come out. So we're going to do a little bit diving into the backstory of my own training experiences and how we have kind of evolved over, well, I've evolved over the last 25 or so years of strength and conditioning and how we got to where we are right now. Now, I like to keep these episodes pretty short. So hopefully I don't get super long-winded in terms of getting there because I have a tendency to do that when I reminisce and go backwards. Uh, So we'll try to keep it quick and to the point and also kind of like what we're doing now and where it came from and why we're there versus what we used to do. So if I take it way back to my own strength and conditioning experiences through high school, you know, we're talking late 90s, early 2000s, and strength and conditioning was still kind of in its infancy stage in terms of who was doing it, what was being done, and so on and so forth. Like there was, you know, Nebraska was doing a lot in terms of strength and conditioning for athletes, and it was mainly just... You know, you looked at some powerlifting type stuff, some deadlifting, some squats and some traditional stuff there. I was fortunate enough to have a good trainer. He taught us how to do power cleans and stuff like that. Um, But other than that, it was really basic in terms of the stuff that we were doing. We did get really strong. Like we bench pressed, we squatted. Um, We never really deadlifted like a lot in terms of heavy deadlifts, but we did do power cleans. And, uh, you know, we incorporated some other random stuff, like some pistol squats that I remember doing one time on a, on a bench, like holding a band, trying to get low. Um, you know, and just little things like that, where we did a lot of accessory stuff. We did some cardio. I remember doing like Stairmaster workouts and these, all these different random things, but either way, um, it was an overall a quality program. And then going into college, it was pretty much the same thing. Uh, we squatted, we bench pressed, And we did power cleans. I mean, that was pretty much the gist of it in terms of what we did. We didn't do really a whole lot of, in terms of athletic performance. Some of that stuff was taken care of on the field. When we'd go to practice, we would spend time doing, at least as linebackers, we would spend time doing our shuffling, flipping our hips, trying to be more athletic. But that stuff wasn't built into our strength and conditioning program per se. We just went in and we lifted for an hour and that was it. And then from there, I've kind of evolved, you know, I started coaching my own athletes uh, after I, you know, finished college, I went down to New York City, became a phys ed teacher, coached football, coached track and field, and started coaching up my own athletes. And here's kind of when I learned a little bit about, you know, like Mike Boyle and some of these other strength and conditioning coaches who were kind of the the to the at the forefront of some of the changes that have been happening in the strength and conditioning world. And sometimes, you know, the pendulum swings too far to one side, and Mike Boyle at, at certain points has kind of demonized back squatting. So there was a point in my life where I never had any athletes back squat. I never had any athletes do this. We did a lot of Bulgarian split squats. We did a lot of unilateral training. You know, I think Boyle has like the big four, or big five, which is like a skater squat, which is like a single leg freestanding, like deadlift type thing, a single leg deadlift, you know, a slideboard board lunge, and uh, maybe a single leg squat and or a rear elevated split squat. So all versions of some sort of split stance or single leg stance. And we adopted that for a long time. And they also had some... You know, rudimentary level uh, plyometric drills and speed and agility drills, which we incorporated too. So Boyle was a big influence in terms of how we got to that initial point. Um, I think he talks about it too, in terms of like, if you wanted to be a trainer, one of the things you should do, just like being a chef, is you should follow the recipe. So if uh, a strength coach that you know is uber successful, you know, and like they come out with a book, I think I read all of his books, follow their program. And then as you see how it works, then you can start thinking about like why it works and why these things are plugged and played in different spots. And then it makes it really easy for you to learn how to then adjust, right? So if you make a recipe for the first time, you follow that recipe to the T. And then if you like more salt, you add more salt next time. If you like, you know, less of this ingredient or more of that ingredient, you can tweak it a little bit to kind of suit your tastes. So that's what I've done over the years is my tastes have, are always kind of evolving and i'm not super vanilla in how i do anything and i don't like to be stagnant in how i do anything so i'm always looking for another way to give my app athletes the best opportunity to perform on the field as well as make training enjoyable you know for me i am you know like robotic in a sense that i can do the same thing every day every week and not really have an issue with it but i know that in today's society Uh, culturally, it's very difficult for athletes to just kind of grind and put their head down and do the same squat workout and do the same, you know, deadlift workout or bench press workout from week to week to week to week. Yes, that is a way to get really, really strong. But I think the motivation and the effort uh, starts to dwindle a little bit because athletes get bored and boredom is like the killer of intensity and the killer of progress because, you know, as you see, like if you're not excited to be there, you're not going to put your best effort forward. You're not going to do that sort of thing. So over the last, you know, we opened our own gym about eight years ago now. And during that time we we were still kind of doing some of the stuff that we've learned. I learned from Mike Boyle and some of those coaches. And then we started introducing some different thing, you know, because you start reading more and you learn more and you know, then back squats aren't as demonized, so to speak, and snatches um, are, are can be okay and, and all these different things, you know, everything if you can coach it is is good. You know, there are some risks and rewards uh, ratios that you have to take into consideration when coaching athletes, especially, you know, specific populations of athletes like baseball players who have, you know, traditionally really offset shoulder mobility or, you know, if you work, just different athletes have different demands in terms of what they come in with. So as we've evolved... We've always tried to incorporate some sort of competition and and try to find different things. And the more I learned, you know, I also had some really great presentations that I've I've watched from Nick Winkleman, who was a great is a great strength and conditioning coach. I think he's in does rugby out in the, in Europe now, but he was one of the head performance for Exos Performance, who trains tons of NFL guys and NFL combine guys, and he had a formula a recipe so to speak, of how to make people more. Uh, athletic in game-like scenarios. So his recipe was to do like choreographed movements and then build upon that. So as we do simple choreographed movements, we do more complex choreographed movements, and then we do them in situational, uh, thought-provoking situations. So in a game, right, it's not just about, you know, doing these choreographed agility ladder-type movements but it's also doing a read and react type thing where you have to react to an opponent, react to something that's happening in front of you and then make a decision and do some agility type of thing or some athletic type of movement off of that. So we've tried to do that as much as we can. And, it, and if anything, we skip sometimes now, even those choreographed movements, because if I can get an athlete to just be athletic, like one of our favorite games to play as a warm up and for our agility days is a game called Triple. And when we have them play triple, it's four squares or it's, it's a square and each corner of the square has a little circle, a little hula hoop type object. And they have to get three beanbags in their hula hoop. And the idea is you can change it. You can go to different spots and take a beanbag and move a beanbag and get it into your spot and the, with the idea to get three. There's only really two rules. You can't throw it and you can only have one. So when we play that game, I don't have to teach athletes how to change direction. I don't have to teach athletes how to do a curve run. I don't have to teach athletes how to cross over and move their body because they're going to do it naturally. If you put athletes in a position to solve the movement problem, then they will do that. And one of the times, again, a quote from Nick Winkleman is don't step in as the coach until the athlete goes silent. So you might see an athlete try to do something and then they can't, like their their brain malfunctions and they just like freeze or they just kind of like skip it and get out. That's when you step in as the coach to try to walk them through the movement pattern that they're trying to do. So as long as athletes are able to figure out the movement problem in front of them, let them do that because that's what they need to do. And that's how they learn and that's how it sticks, right? We always want to make this stuff sticky and also improve their athleticism on the field. It's not just about being like overly rehearsed or, or your court or over choreographed, because then in those situations, those athletes can't carry those skills over onto the field. And I'd rather have a drill be way more open-ended and allow them to explore their movements and get in and out of situations on their own versus me always telling them how to do it. So as time has evolved, right, we've gone to more and more of those kind of movement patterns that we're talking about in these game-like scenarios and small game-like play, You know, whether it's tag, You know, whether it's uh, today we played uh, builders and bulldozers, like a lot of change of direction, getting low, dropping your center of gravity, uh, trying to flip something and try to turn it over. We don't allow kids just to kick it. Um, So you have some different change of levels. You're changing direction constantly and you're doing some of these things and it allows athletes to get a lot of quality work in that they think they're just playing a game. And I think the more stuff we do like that, the better our athletes are and it gets them warmed up. It's fun. It's exciting. They're having a good time, which also goes into like not, you know, they're not bored, right? If they're not bored, they're, they're working harder. They're getting after it. They're having fun. And then we still do incorporate those traditional strength training components because, you know, if we're being honest, like back squatting is still a great way to make yourself strong. You know, we do Bulgarian split squat. We do a lot of single leg stuff, but we incorporate a lot of different variety in terms of those things because again, we want athletes to have exposure. We want athletes to get stronger. And, all of those things work and all of those things have great benefits. And the more we can do, the more benefit they'll get from incorporating different things. Now we don't obviously inundate themselves with like a variety every day. We do like mini cycles of two to three weeks and then we might come back to it in a different variation. Like we did, you know, we're for elevated split squats and a drop catch variation, which is a dynamic catch a couple of weeks ago. And then this week we went to it as a heavy version. So, you know, doing similar movements with different, uh, tempos or different stimuluses or different intensities allows us to to get a lot of variety in terms of our training without really having to change up the movement patterns a lot and you're getting a lot of benefit from it. So overall, you know, the biggest changes I think happened in how we treat speed and agility versus how we treat strength and strength. Uh, conditioning has also changed quite a bit too, but I don't know if I have enough time for conditioning today. Uh, so our speed and agility has taken a much more gameplay type scenario versus the traditional kind of like, if you look at a lot of strength coaches now, they do all this track stuff, which I was, I did that too. I was a track coach. I learned how to teach speed through track and field. So when I first started working with athletes, it was a lot of track and field stuff. Now I can make you really fast straight ahead doing track and field stuff but at the end of the day does that transfer over to being a field of court sport athlete? I don't think it does because many athletes don't ever get to that particular point point. and if you're watching a football player or a running back they're not just sprinting out of the blocks and they're not sprinting straight. They're changing direction. They're curving. They're doing all these different things to try to accelerate. So my goal is to just get you in those positions and explore those positions to allow you to get the maximum out of that. And so that's how we've changed a lot in terms of our speed and agility ideas, but our strength is still our strength. There's not a whole lot of funky stuff that you can do there. The one thing I will say that we have changed a little bit in our strength portion is a little bit of strength at length. Um, so in our, what we call a durability circuit, we'll do things like a Jefferson curl, or we'll do some GHD sit-ups or some side bends, some different things that build mobility and strength simultaneously to a, to kind of be an injury preventative uh, measures to allow our athletes to get more flexible in these deep ranges of motions as well as getting stronger but doing it instead of in a traditional kind of like static flexibility way they do them through ranges of motion with a little bit of load to allow their body to respond and really hit that save button on those movements so again strength has kind of stayed the same a little bit tweak with the the durability stuff and speed and agility has seen the most change over the, the last 20 years that I've worked on starting with more track and field type stuff. And now we're into like a lot more open-ended gameplay stuff, which I think overall has helped our athletes play better on the field and be healthier, which at the end of the day is the actual goal of a strength and conditioning coach. Till next time. Peace. Hello, all my lovely listeners. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A friendly reminder to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. By giving me some love on your app of choice, you're helping me get the word out to as many people as humanly possible. What that means is that I can invest more time and energy into creating the best podcast for you that revolves around sports performance and human ability. Thanks again for your support, and we'll catch you next time.